2018, a 69-year-old woman in Seattle died after a mysterious year-long rash on her nose turned out to be an indication of a much larger problem. Okay. And I don't have a picture of this for you. I don't know. Maybe there is one somewhere, but... Damn it. (laughs) What her doctor had initially assumed to be rosacea, for Mm. which he prescribed her some antibiotics, which I guess is what you do when someone has rosacea, Mm. um, was discovered to be much more serious when a CT scan showed a half-inch lesion on her brain. Oh, wow. They removed the mass, and they sent it to Johns Hopkins uh, to be analyzed, but a few days later, her left arm and her leg went numb, and she presented an altered mental status. Okay. Her condition deteriorated to the point that she was put on life support. It was at this point that a neuropathologist posited that her symptoms might be consistent with an amoebic infection. Mm. And a drug was administered to combat it. Unfortunately, her condition did not improve and she was taken off life support. The culprit behind her death improperly sterilized water in the neti pot her doctor had prescribed her to treat a sinus infection. In the Do you what, have sorry? neti pots? Do you have neti mm. pots there? Neti, neti, neti pot? It's like a brand name. Essentially, it's like a teapot, but you pour water into your right. nasal cavity and then. I've it seen comes these. Back out. I have never known of anybody over here using one of those. I feel like it was kind of a trend here for a hot minute. Mm. like, and, and I think it is genuinely a thing that people prescribe, like doctors prescribe for sinus infections and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I know out. of them. I know of them. Yeah. It's kind of um, like a face face douche, I guess you'd say. <laughs> is it something along those is. lines? It's a face douche. That's a exactly face, what go. it is. It <laughs> sounds horrible. It does. Um, it sounds amazing. I, and it, it looks absurd as well. It You're does. literally yeah, pouring something up your face. Yeah, it's the silliest looking thing, and I can't, like, I would never, is all I'm saying. I don't care if you prescribe that to me. There's just no way in hell that I'm pouring water up my nose and letting it, like, drain out like that. No chance, no chance. I have a a sensitive tube system in there, and I don't like stuff in it that's not supposed to be. Like, one time I sneezed out a piece of chicken by accident when someone made me laugh, and it was... Not pleasant. Wow. So, was, that the, was that the moment you became vegan? Right then. Yeah, that was you're it. That's like nasally no expelling. More. <laughs> you have chicken come out your nose. It's like, I'm done, I think, yeah. with meat. Mm. Um, Listen, anyways. what was in the fucking neti pot? What was in the neti pot? So, uh, according to the CDC, um, you should, in a neti pot, only use distilled, uh, sterile, or cold, cooled boiled water for the purposes of sinus irrigation, which is a super gross phrase, by the way. Mm. Um, and so she was purifying her water, but she was basically using like a Brita filter, you know, the same yeah, thing yeah, that you yeah. just like kind of pour your water into. And, and sure. that's not enough for what see, you're going to dump into your nose, right? Yeah. Um, so that left her open to an amoeba called Balamuthia mandrillaris which normally lives in soil. But through this, they realized, yeah, I guess sometimes it also can kind of live in water. And they're not entirely sure how this got into her water supply. But one way or another, her tap water that she was using and purifying, but only through like a Brita filter, gave her this particular amoeba that then caused... And she's slinging that up her nose, which I guess you've got your your nasal mucous membrane. Straight shot into you. Right all up into your cerebellum, yeah. 
Yeah, and the nose we'll see is the pathway in general for mm. this to happen. Um, for example, in the case of a man in Louisiana in 2013, a slightly more common amoeba called uh, Nigleria fowleri was mm. his assassin. Um, the Louisiana man's death came as a result, again, of using tap water in a neti pot. Wow. But this was the third death that month <gasps> from Nigleria fowleri. And the other two had nothing to do with neglecting instructions for proper sinus uh, irrigation. The first was a 16-year-old girl in Florida, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then a nine-year-old boy in Virginia, uh, who also died after being infected with Nigleria fowleri that June. The girl had been swimming, and the boy had been dunked in the water at a fishing day camp, and both oh. died within about a week of, wow. uh, of these experiences. So the CDC says that Nigleria fowleri is a free-living microscopic amoeba that can cause a rare and devastating infection of the brain called primary amoebic meningoencephalitis. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. found in warm bodies of freshwater, like lakes and rivers. And in the United States, it's generally more common in the warm southern states like Texas and Florida. Um, it can also be contracted through contaminated water sources, such as inadequately chlorinated swimming pool water or uh, heated and contaminated tap water. So per an article in a publication called The Conversation, mm. uh, this is how it works. The brain is moist and warm, just yep. like the lakes and hot springs where the amoeba thrives. But the brain doesn't have bacteria. Gross, Mark. The brain doesn't have bacteria for the amoeba to eat. Uh, so the yeah. or organism attacks brain cells for uh, nutrients. Baby. I mean, you get you get hungry. You got to eat what's available. Yep. Um, but the immune system doesn't sit idly by while this happens. The parasite eats its way through the brain and unleashes a, and the brain unleashes a massive swarm of immune cells to the infected mm. zone which causes inflammation and brain swelling. So this is, you know, the body's technically doing its doing job. Doing what it should, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a similar uh, process to meningitis. It's it, Exactly. It's yep. An inflammation mm -hmm. in the, the kind of the um, surrounding tissues of your brain. They swell up, your brain Precisely. gets swelled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is actually often mistaken for meningitis, which is ah, one of we the go. problems here. Hey, maybe yeah. I am a doctor. <laughs> hey! Uh, um, unfortunately for the person whose brain is infected, the battle is being waged inside a sturdy skull, which can't expand to accommodate a swelling brain. Mm. The increase in cranial pressure disrupts the brain's connection to the spinal cord, compromising communication with other parts of the body, like the hence respiratory the system. the numb limbs, hence the... Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and if that explanation was a little too complicated, NBC put it this way. It gets up the nose, burrows up into the skull, and destroys brain tissue. Beautiful. So that's what, yeah, really, really uh, For some reason, put. I hear that in the voice of Michael Ironside from Starship Troopers. He's got that fantastic, <laughs> like, they yeah, sucked so his brain out. The greatest, <laughs> probably the greatest piece of Paul Verhoeven's entire career was Michael Ironside. And he turns around and looks right to the camera. They sucked his brain out. Brilliant stuff. And that's, that's exactly what's going on there. That is exactly what's going on here, yeah. Uh, and much like rabies, if you contract it, you're pretty much going to die. Yes. Um, only four people out of 145 known infected individual individuals in the United States from 1962 to 2018 have survived. 
And there are three main reasons for this. For one, it's symptoms, which include headache, fever, nausea, loss of balance, hallucinations. All that stuff can be mistaken for other things. Often stuff that's like much less of yeah, like yeah, a big yeah. deal, right? Is this um, is this this amoeba, is it something you have to be specifically looking for, I guess? Or is it something that's quite easy to mistake for a load of other things? Very easy to mistake. Mm. So, um... Sorry, so uh, these kinds of things, so it's mistaken for all this other stuff because, like, that could be anything, really. Yeah, There's yeah, so yeah. many things that have all of those kinds of, of symptoms, um, and thus it's not caught fast enough to prevent the damage that's done by having mm. this amoeba in you. Um, since patients generally die within five to seven days of infection, any amount of time is crucial in figuring out yeah, what that is. So yeah. if you think this is something else, uh, then that's a problem. Similarly, uh, there's no quick diagnostic test for it, like you were asking. There's nothing that you can be like, oh, let me just do this, you know, this quick Fowleri test. Yeah. And yeah. okay, that's what we have. There's nothing. Maybe shine like a little that. torch in your eyes. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, you can't do anything like that, which is why even with that first woman, you know, they gave her what they had as a test thinking it was Enfowleri, but it turned out to be that other. Um, type of amoeba and because it's rare they don't do a lot of like studies about it right you know like mm -hmm. if this was something that was killing thousands of people every year there would be a ton of studies and they'd figure out how to trace for this but because you know over 50 years there's only been you know under 150 deaths there's about three deaths per year um mm -hmm. on average from this uh, am i right in saying this is this, so this is a widespread naturally occurring amoeba that you that you fellas yeah. have over there yeah that's exactly it. The widespread part is important too. This is not like a rare yeah. amoeba. The amoeba yeah, yeah. exists a lot in these warm water places and, and is often stirred up by like, if you're on the bottom of the water and you stir up the sediment and whatnot, that's where you'll find it. And this is one of the things that scientists aren't sure about is why, you know, if it's so common, why don't more people die of this? And they guess, kind of assume yeah. that maybe some people are more susceptible to it than others and, and, like maybe and some people are, are putting it pouring it into their fucking face yeah literally. some people are pouring That's... it into their head uh <laughs> which you know they're just giving it the fast track straight <laughs> into uh their skull so i just you lost know. all sympathy for this woman it's your, it's your own fault <laughs> you invited the fucking amoeba into your skull <laughs> it's your own fault um but also the other um uh, the other thing about it is that you can't repair the destruction of critical brain tissue that occurs in the presence of the parasite. So no. once it's destroyed, it's gone. Uh, thus, even if you figure out what it is and you try to start treating it, that person, whatever deterioration they've already experienced, is permanent. Um, and that usually means, you know, they're, they're brain dead, they're vegetative, there's nothing you can do to bring them back. Yep. Um, however, I will tell you, Mark, if it's any consolation to you, uh, Nigleria fowleri is very rarely found in Britain because of your cold ass water. Yeah. So you can swim in peace. Amazing. Thank you very much. In your face. <laughs> literally in your face. <laughs> in your actual face. Yep. And Actually, skull. Do you know, um, in your in nasal cavity. Invasive organisms in water. Uh, this is not the first invasive organisms in water story I've heard this week. Uh, oh. Yeah, altogether less pleasant and a little bit more viscerally. There was a a show on Radio 4 that I heard this week where a guy uh, spoke about wading through like tropical waters in, in South America. 
And okay. you described in detail his battle with a leech which had swam up his oh. dick. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was able to grasp the end of the leech and spray kind of uh, heat spray on it, like a, a like a muscular kind of remedy spray on it until it uh, detached itself and he was able to pull it out. And uh, he now wears a dauber, puts a condom on whenever he's going into, into the lakes. <laughs> I would too, I think. I think I'd learned yes. my lesson from yes. that. I have, have you ever had a leech? No, I have not. I'm in no You're rush so to. I've seen, I've seen Stand By Me. I'm in no rush to, to get it. Yeah. So gnarly. It's just mm. ugh, ugh, disgusting, and I hate everything about that. Um, in, you, you might be surprised to learn that... Right, even as I'm saying this, I'm worried that I'm going to be proved wrong, but I'm sure I've read okay. that leeches are still in use for bloodletting. Yeah, medically. I can't remember if we talked about that or if that Possibly. has just come up separately in like other things I was looking at. But yes, there are people who still use yeah. this. Like legitimate, you know, doctors yeah. and not, you know. Yeah, exactly. Cranks. It's not like a, yeah, it's not like a weird bit of quackery. Yeah. There's like certain yeah. things that it can be used for. The same with maggots for dermal skin <laughs> abrading. You, 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 that maggots are still used for chewing away manky necrotic tissue too. Have I told you my maggot story, Mark? Uh, n no. Um, I am. Uh... No, I don't want you to. <laughs> uh, so I feel like I, I, I have to. This has come up two days in a row uh, because, and we'll talk about, we watch Ghost Ship and there's maggots and Ghost Ship. Okay. Um, and I've, I've talked about this on my other podcast, Men of Low Moral Fiber, because uh, it involves Ben and Jason's mother. Um, so <laughs> I was, uh, I was in high school and, uh, we were going somewhere, um, and I was getting in the car with Ben and his mom. So, you know, his mom was driving, Ben was in the passenger seat, I was in the back seat and we had kind of like noticed there'd been a smell in the car for a bit. Um, and I, I think Glee, their mom had told us like, Oh yeah, I spilled some some milk in here or something like that. But I cleaned it up, and we're like, "Well, it stole." Like, no, you didn't. Stinks, but <laughs> yeah. you know, but we're like, "Okay, sure, whatever." And we didn't think like a lot. It just kind of was one of those things where like, "Yeah, the car stinks." Okay, and so uh, we get into the car, and nobody's sat in the back seat since this happened. Um, it was usually just me and Ben in the car, so we hadn't really, you know, investigated in any further into her mm. claims of having cleaned up the spilled milk. So mm. I, I sit down and I go and I reach down to uh, to grab my seatbelt and I'm like, something's oh. here. And I pull my hand up and it takes me a second. I'm just looking at my hand and I'm like, is this rice? Why is it moving? Oh. And I realize Fucking I hell. have just reached down and picked up picked up an entire handful of maggots. From inside oh, the fucking system. horrible. What are they feeding on? Milk? Feeding on? Yeah, I guess they were just yeah chilling there, eating <laughs> milk or whatever maggots <laughs> do. I don't know how maggots work. They're that's like vile. some sort of horrifying thing that's just there for a bad time. Um, and that's exactly what it was. And it was just like, okay, well I'm uh, oh. just kind of like shook my hand out and went and ah. moved over to the other seat <laughs> where <laughs> the milk had not Ooh. been spilled uh and it was absolutely horrendous it, but this is 
I always say, you know, people with anxiety are always, like, the most cool in a, like, terrible situation because we're just like, oh, mm. the worst thing has happened. I expected Fine. the worst thing to happen. Yeah, there it is. Here comes my training. So, yeah. <laughs> like, it didn't panic or anything. I was just kind of like, oh, no. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> wiped him off and went on with my day. Uh, we've started from a very high bar this, this week, haven't we, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ugh. Bring amoeba, a leech up your cock, and a handful of maggots. Welcome to Jack of All Graves, everyone. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome to Jack of All Graves. Uh, you can't feel it, but the world that you're on is spinning imperceptibly, hurtling through space, uh, following a the celestial ballet that it's been a part of for millions of years before you were born and it will be for millions of years after you die it's colossal it's huge it's cold it hates you and you will be gone in the blink of a fucking eye <laughs> <laughs> oh oh okay <laughs> but but hey <laughs> No, 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 no. There's good news, too. Oh, is there? Great. Yeah, there's Let's good news, too. Uh, Rick and Morty starts again this weekend. Um, mm. And, you know, the fucking the sky is beautiful at a certain time at dusk. You know what I mean? And you've yeah. got friends and family and there's music and there's nice food. It's it's pretty good, actually, if you don't think about the first thing that I said. <laughs> that's, a, that's some really nice perspective, Mark. There you go. Just don't worry about the people first people into bit. existential crisis and then just pull it Bring back. Bring them on back. Pull it on back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, listen. Sure hope that's everyone's good. Some comfort. Generally, hope everyone's good. Yes, indeed. We are very excited about today's episode because we are talking about a thing uh, that has been taboo in my life and uh, a lot of fun in Marks, and that is good old Satan. Satan, yeah, 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 Satan, 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 whatever he is, yeah. whatever it means to you, um, we're gonna, we're gonna get into it today, we're gonna chew it over, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, it's, it's a topic which I have some deep affection for, right, and, and those crazy lads in the Church of Satan in particular, so we're gonna chat about that a little bit, uh, we're coming off a watch-along week, um, yes, indeed we are, and what a watch-along it was, it was huge fun, yeah, huge fun. And I, they, I, I, every goddamn time I say this, but every goddamn time they seem to be more fun. You know what I mean? The, we've got a lovely it little is, core, yeah. uh, core kind of group of attendees, uh, and people kind of dipping in, dipping out. It's, it's, hey, not to want to overuse a phrase, but it's a great bunch of lads every single time. Every single time, and we watched, of course, a movie very near and dear to my heart, Ghost mm. Ship, and I think it was just such a great watch for everyone. The perfect kind of movie for a group watch, and people really seemed to have a great time with it, which made my heart very warm. I, yes, and I got out of it exactly what I wanted to get out of it. I was able to watch you 
enjoying basking in 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 the experience basking in the company and enjoying one of your favorite films i yeah. didn't think it was a particularly good film but that's neither here nor there it feels like that's not the point no it's not about <laughs> me it's not about me <laughs> well and it's also not about whether it's a good film per also se true. yes uh, also true. I, I don't think that's what what ghost ship is it's a fun film and it's absurd and it's you know got mm. good violence and it's just like it's just it is that you know as Dan kept pointing out this is like exactly the MTV horror thing too which yep. then later on I was like looking at Letterboxd and realized the only other film this director has made was yes. Thirteen Ghosts. Yep. So we was... have unintentionally <laughs> Steve Beck I believe is that his name Steve, Steve Beck Steve Beck yeah we've unintentionally was... watched Steve Beck's entire body of work in the past two watch alongs he was here for a good time not for a long time but god damn it did he carve out a niche mm-hmm. uh, I heard more Mudvayne during the 90 odd minutes of Ghost Ship than I've heard probably in the last 30 years I know I'd kind of forgotten about Mudvayne mm. to be honest with you <laughs> I was like oh right I mean even when I think of the movie I do think specifically of those songs <laughs> Oh, um, you know, especially Mud the vein. one at the very end when he's like when they're walking up onto the boat again and you see uh, the ferryman guy uh, and that like <laughs> that song come uh, on like, oh, it's what I think of every time. I am delighted to report that Mudvayne are still a going concern. They are still in active service, although they took a long I'm hiatus. They were around from 96 to 2010. Uh, and mm. then, according to Wikipedia, at least, they knocked it on the head, but came back in 2021, mate. Mudvayne are back. Oh, so, their spidey sense was tingling. They sh- like, now is the <laughs> time. Yes, the, the world is ready for Mudvayne once again I to think rise so. back yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to their return. Um, hey, and maybe we'll get a, a ghost ship sequel with more Mudvayne. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> I would love go- everything about that. Ghosts, that would be ship. my favorite movie. <laughs> uh, that'd be incredible. Um, so yeah, we watched that. The only other thing that we really watched this week was a fantastic movie. I think we both agree, yeah. uh, which was Censor. Yes, Censor was phenomenal. A British, uh, and not just British, very, very British, very British mm-hmm. horror film uh, set. Very, very squarely dated in the Thatcher years of the 80s during the video nasty panic. Um, Very, very well researched, obviously made by people with a deep affection for the era that they were dealing with. Some really nice references for, for, you know, for, for, for horror fans. One in particular, right? Uh, the film deals with somebody working for the BBFC, right? The British Board of Film Classification and how, you know, the lines between her work and her personal life get blurred as she's troubled by the, the kind of the unexplained... Uh, her sister goes missing in her youth and she never quite reconciles it and, and she goes into a uh, almost like a dream state uh, brought on by a particular film that she's... Um, working on, right? A film that she's she's recommending cuts to before release. And the, the film's called Don't Go in the Church, right? And one particular joke which really stood out, I don't know if you caught it, right? She says to the other guy that she's with at the time, huh, we're not going to have many more places left to go soon, which is a lovely reference because uh, there's a Don't Go in the House. Oh. There's also a movie called uh, <laughs> okay, Don't Go yeah. in the Woods. Right. Uh, and they they were looking at a film called Don't Go in the Church. Oh, not got many more places left to go soon. <laughs> a really, really subtle, really funny little gag. And the film is full yeah. of them. Um, it's very heavily stylized. 
a lovely British cast. Um, many of the Brit actors who I recognised, I know mainly from comedy, right? From sitcoms in particular. Mm-hmm. Alan Partridge's long-suffering uh, P.A. Lynn is in it. Um, Nicholas Burns from Nathan Barley is in it. Uh, um, Smiley, the guy Smiley, the Irish actor. Was, uh, Michael oh, yeah. Smiley, is it? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Of course, from Spaced. So, you know, the the, the pedigree of performer in there is fantastic. But it it... It's a film which has a sense of humour, yes, but don't you know? Don't don't let that uh, kid you that it's, it's not a horror comedy, a horror movie. Oh no, it's a <laughs> horror movie, flat out. It's yeah. it's a horror movie in the truest sense. Um, very confident. I have no, I don't know who the director is, but it's it's a very very confident piece. Uh, somebody who who is able to use kind of. I, I'm, I'm a big nerd for ratio change, right? I love an aspect mm, ratio yeah, change. Yeah, that's true. Film. That is one of your, your things. Ooh, I do love a ratio <laughs> change. And it, it, it plays around with aspect ratio. It plays around with different kind of formats. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah, just a really affectionate, really, really nice piece. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Highly recommend it. And, yes, uh, you know, worth the, I think, six ninety nine or whatever that you rent it for online. Mm-hmm. Absolutely support it. Give it your money. Uh, independent film and uh, yeah definitely good stuff uh, let me see in non-horror news I saw Luca today which was oh, just I loved Luca so good <sighs> that was beautiful that was I felt like that was a movie that clearly had like something to say right it had a message especially mm. at the end but that I didn't feel like I needed to sob through I didn't feel Mm. like I needed to be hit over the head with a message or anything like that and still it was so beautiful and affecting at the same time where I you know and I tend to be such like a giant movie crier and stuff like that and when you watch anything that's in that Disney or Pixar genre you expect that moment to like break your heart and like tear you to pieces and all that and I didn't feel torn to pieces by this and I still felt so moved which I felt was really kind of like something that I appreciated in that movie. You don't get that a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, it was a lovely affirmation to me that Pixar can still work on a far more intimate scale. Mm-hmm. That film took place yeah. entirely within the boundaries of that little Italian town. Yeah, tiny little village, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, whereas Coco takes place in the fucking afterlife and across <laughs> right. different time periods. Ah, it's yeah. gigantic. Toy Story follows like a dynasty of toys and, and humans throughout their entire lives. Right. You got Wally, which spans the entirety of fucking time and space. But this just zooms right in on a beautiful little Italian village uh, and the, the, the yeah, struggle just for Just gorgeous to watch, too. I mean... Yeah, oh, very, very... Yeah, considering it's such a small locale it's a busy film there's so much going on in each shot you know such Mm -hmm. a load of detail beautiful character design giddy over it absolutely beautiful yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it as much as i did you know i was just very very into that there was like some article someone posted today that was like you know why pixar films aren't as good as they used to be or whatever and it had like a picture of luca on the top and i was like what yeah the fuck (laughs) out of here Fuck out of here. <laughs> it's like, I just seriously was like, this one, this hit me where like, you know, I mm. didn't like soul. I just got nothing out of that. Um, and this, I was like, this is what I want to see when I yep. watch something. I just, everything about it was great. So recommend that even though that's not in our, you know, necessarily our wheelhouse. Um, it's got Luca monsters in it. It does have monsters in it. So there we go. <laughs> it's a really good point. Also, just want to point out, 
we were on uh, Mark filled in for Ben on Men of Low Moral Fiber this yes, month. Did. Um, so did. if you check out Men of Low Moral Fiber, you'll get a delightful conversation about Mar- what's the game called? Super Mario 3D World. Super Mario Mario 3D World. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really fun time. I think a very funny episode. Uh, ben I enjoyed said it he a was great editing deal. it. There were so many quotes. It was like hard to hard to even get through editing because he was just laughing a lot so very good make sure you make sure you check that out i think mark mark is bringing his a game in that uh also hey thanks everybody who uh chimed in on where you listen to this podcast and what you're doing that was lovely yes that was so nice thank you (laughs) so so if you're doing that this week or if you're doing other things this week if you're pegging clothes out uh if you're at work if you're on the commute it was a absolute treat hearing where you listened to joag last week i really enjoyed it so by all means chime in and and do it again if you haven't done yet yeah keep us posted it was so great we were in Mm. bookstores we were in science labs we were in people's cars we were all over the place and it was just really fun to get that little snippet of people's Mm. lives um so thanks keep filling us in if you like um but we really we appreciated that yeah, I, again, uh, it feels like I haven't said it for a while, but I, I in a, a Twitter DM conversation with somebody who was on the watch along the other day. Um, oh, we have to talk mm, about that fucking, that fucking that's story. That's right. Yeah, yes. I, I, I'm astounded that people listen to us anyway, right? So just wherever you listen to me, thank you for listening to the both of us. It's fucking brilliant. Um, just to rewind a couple of weeks, right? Um and I was very surprised to to have actually got a mention to, to be able to talk about Roy Kinnear, the fucking English character actor from the 18th, right. right? Very, very unusual that I would end up talking about him on Joag. I was delighted to. Um, but one of our listeners sent us such an awesome story. John has a story about Roy Kinnear, right? The guy who died after a fall from a horse during filming The Return of the Three Musketeers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read directly from this story that John sent us. Uh, the other night. Here we go. So, according to my mum, one day, driving home when I was four years old, I was talking to myself in the back of the car. My mum noticed the conversation was quite detailed and different to my normal childish ramblings. She asked me who I was talking to and the following conversation happened. Me. I'm talking to a man. (laughs) Mum. What man? Me. The man here. Wants to say goodbye to his son. Mum, what are you talking about? Me. The man, he fell off a horse and is hurt. Mum, okay, son. So later that day, the news is on and the report of Roy Kinnear's death is on. How fucked is that? (laughs) That's so good. John goes on to say that, you know, he's a little bit spiritual, but a a sceptic, you know, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. which is healthy. But yep. not only is it fucking <laughs> is it hilarious that I got to talk about Roy <laughs> Kinnear on Jack of All Graves, it's even cooler that one of our listeners may or may not have been visited by the undead fucking restless soul of Roy Kinnear while he was four years old. Now, Ugh. how many other podcasts this week are saying that? Eh? That's a really good point. I'm going to say Joag is the only one. Yeah. Unless so we got? John is shopping this around to other people just to see <laughs> the podcast. He's uh, just interchanging names. <laughs> Brain amoebas, a leech up your cock, and the restless spirit of Roy Kinnear. That's not something you get very many what other What you places. come here for, folks. That's, That's right. why Keep you're at Jack in. of all graves. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that story. Uh, yeah, man. Because 
I love ish like that. This is yeah. that's the kind of thing that I I like because you know as I've said many times I've grown out of like believing in ghosts or things like that. But I always with stories like that, and I have my own such stories. You know, wonder if there is maybe something to the universe that we like. Mm. You know, that is a scientific concept that makes it so we tap into something or whatever. Or as he put it, it could just be that he heard it somewhere. Like, and didn't register it, and it just came back out. Like, maybe he was in a grocery store, and they talked about it on the, like, overhead thing, and his mom wasn't listening and didn't know, and he had processed it. Whatever. But I do like the idea, like, you know, I don't think people become ghosts. I don't think that, you know, there's anything after death or anything like that. But I do always, I'm fascinated by the concept that maybe there would be something that we can connect to each other. Well... All I'll say is this, right? At some point, all science was considered magic. It's true. Exactly. Think on. Think on. I always think about, like, the fact that I started um, having panic attacks going upstairs um, when I was, like, the parking garage stairs at USC when I was working there. Um, Uh And I, like, did not, I like, it was just weird. All of a sudden, I started having panic attacks every time I went up these concrete stairs in the parking garage um and then my dad died by falling down the concrete stairs i had not realized that this well, had those same stairs those not same the same stairs, stairs. no just his, like, at his own no that would have been okay. wild um but that like you know i was like i it was the weirdest thing that i just had like this you know strange panic around the stairs and then found out that was what killed my dad and i was like what a weird coincidence you know so like maybe maybe there's something there i don't really believe that but i like the idea that maybe like you yes said, this, i enjoy the idea and i enjoy i enjoy that idea being explored through fiction you know what i mean i enjoy oh, spooky yeah. fucking movies but you know absolutely and like you I, know, it's just a fun i think concept it was you to me. it is a fun concept I, I i think it was it was you I, I spoke to and i described that i've got a massive movie boner for that that concept of you know, science and scientific methodology and investigative methodology yeah. being applied to spiritual phenomena. Fuck it, totally. I love that. That's cool as fuck. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, it does sort of tap into that idea of, like you said, that everything, you know, that, like, science was magic before we discovered the science of it. And I think I do yeah. like that concept. It's maybe that, like, little piece of me that is allowing myself to be agnostic about the world you know where okay. willfully agnostic, so much of me knowingly is, agnostic yeah where so much of me is like kind of uh very firmly like atheist or firmly i don't believe in in ghosts or firmly these kinds of things it's like this little part of me that allows an agnosticism about things um mm. that i feel like is kind of important you know to like not think i have it all figured yes. out yeah you know and so that's the that's the thing i allow myself as a reminder that, you know, maybe there's a science to this other form of magic that I don't understand. And, uh, you know, that's the one I pick. Okay. <laughs> you're like, okay, you're batshit, but whatever. Not at all. Not at all. Hey. No. The fucking last thing I'm going to do, last thing I would ever do, is try to change your mind or your heart on anything. Ever. <laughs> And at the end of the day, it's not really anything to change. I don't know that I totally... I mean, I know I don't really believe it, but it's a thing I like to think I believe in. Mm. It's where I'd like to suspend my disbelief. 
I would love to have an extra fucking sensory or an extra real experience. I would, it would blow my fucking mind. If something <laughs> would happen to me, right, that I couldn't in any way, shape or form explain. That would, that would only possibly have the only single explanation would be something other than the mortal realm. I would lose my shit. It would yeah. be amazing. I'd go. I'd be. You, I'd have to get sectioned. I'd be fucking screaming about it in the streets. <laughs> I'd be screaming about it. It would be amazing. See also extraterrestrial life. Right. Um, and uh, the, one of those two things has at least a fucking chance of happening. Um, right. You know what? You know how I feel about the tardigrades, mate. Any fucking time. Mm-hmm. As soon as we get, as soon as curiosity shows us what's in its soil what's in you know what's in the dust i'm oh if we have tardigrades i will take to the streets i will lose my shit i'll go on a fucking four-day bender mate if there's space tardigrades <laughs> i am going on a fucking mad one do 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 tardigrades i'm gonna have a fucking big one mate we're gonna have to take like a, a week off to as you um, <laughs> are arrested for <laughs> Yes! Whatever you do as a reaction Waving. to this. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's running naked through the streets, screaming about yeah. tardigrades. Because because that means, categorically, we are not alone. That's the bottom line. That would be absolute, bold fucking font. We are no longer alone in the universe. That's what that would represent to me. I love that. Mm-hmm. We all have our thing. Yep. I'm about that. <laughs> Anyway, shall we, on that note, actually, because yeah. we are, like I said, we're, we're hitting a topic that is, um, I've said before, and I, you know, even recently when we were talking about, um, like, demons and whatnot, that I've yes. always, even as, like, an evangelical, kind of found the idea of demonic things and of Satan silly. Um, and, you know, most of the people I went to school with and went to church with found satan to be like a very real presence right and you're talking about satan in the carman sense aren't you you're talking in the about carman satan sense yes in the physical biblical, i mean not biblical because it's not really out of the bible but as yeah a physical entity who wants to fuck with your shit um mm-hmm. and is like invested in tarnishing your soul and pulling you away from god and and who you have uh, to be always on your guard you. for somebody who mm-hmm. you always have to be prepared for because he'll yeah. get there if you, you know, yeah. sins of the flesh and sins of moral fucking torpor, he'll be there, mate. He'll be on you. Exactly. And, you know, I probably, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years ago or so, became maybe even more than that, but became close friends with this gal that was in my MA program briefly. Um, and she has been, you know, a Church of Satan member forever um you know like literally has a little membership card and all that kind of stuff but yeah she's like the whole thing um has been a part of this um and kind of through seeing her talk about it i was like i feel like maybe like satanism is not what like despite knowing that like i didn't believe in satan Mm. i still like i don't think i knew what satanism was you know or or whatever and i'll talk more about what those kinds of misconceptions are but i you know met this woman who like was like talking about the sort of tenets of it and things like that and i was like "Eh, this doesn't actually sound scary in the slightest Mm. um 
And then we fast forward to today, you know, and you introduced me to Ghost and whatnot and listening to it years and years later of me being like weirded out by Satanists and whatnot. And I'm like instantly in. Um, And I told you, like, my husband enjoys listening to it, but also feels like a little weird about it. Like, because, you know, Mm -hmm. he's he's got a little bit of that evangelical baggage. Um, And he like one day like came in with his acoustic guitar and started playing square hammer for me <laughs> on Wonderful. it you know he was like started singing along but he was like he would kind of giggle to himself when he would listen to it like oh my Wonderful. god this is wild um so it's kind of a, a a fun topic for me to go from something that was like so wildly taboo to today we're going to talk about satanic panic and people's you know ideas about it and then also um, like what Satanism actually is and uh, Mark's affinity for it. And I'm really yeah. curious, Mark, like what is, is there, is this even like a presence in the UK, like in terms of like the scary idea of Satanism? People worried about it there? So what I'd love to do, many a time I've heard you use that term Satanic panic, right? And mm-hmm. I, I have only the vaguest notion of what that means. Okay. I, I guess we're in the 80s, are we? In the 90s? Yes. Well, if you'd like, I can tell you a bit about our satanic panic here in the United States. I'd love a primer on that, please. Wonderful. Um, Then I'm happy to fill you in. Mm -hmm. And first, I want to start with just the concept of what a moral panic is in general. Um, Mm. I used to teach this book uh, in one of my classes, um, which was called Moral Panics, The Social Construction of Deviance um, by Eric Good and Nachman Ben Yehuda, which is just a really great... um, very dense text but about like what moral panics are the history of them why they happen and how they are how they function in society you know these are really social movements uh that are disguised as these great panics um and so they said that there's like five things that characterize a moral panic concern consensus disproportionality volatility I lost one somewhere in there. Hostility. That's the one that I missed out in there. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, And so, like, concern is basically heightened concern that a a group is having a detrimental um, impact on society, right? So all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, you know, a group that maybe wasn't on people's radar, was on a small group of people's radar, people get extremely concerned about them. Um, The hostility towards that group. So now uh, everyone is like, who are these clowns and what can we do about them? And there's this, you know... Attitude Grab towards pitchforks, pitchfork mentality. Isn't exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's consensus, so that's the sense that this problem is real amongst at least a portion of society. So if this is just like you know, a, a small group of people somewhere, or a, a person who thinks that something is a problem, that's not a moral panic. But if this there gets to be some form of consensus that this is an issue, that's yeah. a moral panic. Um, disproportionality, which is that uh, the action taken against this group is far greater than the harm that is caused by this group. Um, So even if they do cause harm, it's much smaller. Um, Often statistics are faked about it or exaggerated, things like that. So a disproportionality in response to this group compared to what actually the harm that is being done by them or perceived being done. Mm. Um, And they call the group, the targeted group, uh, a folk devil, which I think is a fun term yeah yeah yeah, very much yeah so the folk devil is the target of this and they are collectively designated as the enemy or an enemy of respectable society um and there's all kinds of reasons that these panics 
can arise, um, which can be just sort of in response to actual tensions and anxieties in society, which we will see in uh, one of the cases that I talk about here. But, you know, very real things that are going on and finding something to blame it on or just kind of fears people have about like where society is going, finding a scapegoat for that fear, things like that. They can also be from like elites who should be doing something about societal problems, sort of being like, oh, look at that. That's the problem instead, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like so they don't have to do anything about stuff. Um, and also sort of uh, like media and other interest groups can use moral panics to advance their agendas in society. Sydney. So the hubbub over critical race theory in America in the past few weeks where people who had never even heard of CRT a few weeks ago are suddenly convinced that like this is going to destroy the children of America if they learn critical race theory. It's wildly disproportionate because like this is like a small group of people who even talk about critical race theory. It's not being taught in your your schools or anything like that. It's now being used to change policy. It's being banned all over the place. The people who are talking about it, like Ted Cruz, are basically like, look away from the things that we should be doing yep. and Ooh. look at this moral thing that we need to erase from society. Right. So these are kind of the basic reasons and ideas behind moral panics. Video, I mean, what 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 is video nasty that we just exactly. spoke about not twenty minutes ago? But a moral panic, it going 100%. down that list there. Tick 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 tick. Moral panic. Yeah, and that's watching that you know that movie. You see, talking about like these things, like oh, these are directly impacting people and causing them to do things. This is mm-hmm. the detriment of society, which is the same as when I talked to you about the Hayes Code when you know after the murder of of um, Virginia Rapp by well supposedly by fatty arbuckle um that they were like we need to clamp down on hollywood because it's causing mayhem in society these are moral panics um 100 and the satanic panic was one that had huge repercussions so in the 80s and 90s uh the satanic panic just like gripped america it was everywhere and there were several really big high profile cases and among the biggest were probably the cases of the west memphis three and the mcmartin preschool do any of those ring a bell to you at all uh the west memphis three i know of the the heard school of you mentioned no mm. yeah okay I'm not going to go super in-depth into them uh, because that's not what this podcast is about. Um, Mm -hmm. And also there's some other like really great podcasts and stuff that you can go to for information on these. For one, I highly recommend the podcast Convicted if you're interested in the McMartin preschool case and like the larger panic around preschools and abuse at the time. It's phenomenal and shows sort of what happened, uh, the repercussions of that entire thing. just really, really good podcast, really moving and really informative. Uh, Last Podcast on the Left has an excellent series on the West Memphis Three. And of course, there's also the famous Paradise Lost documentary series from HBO that chronicled their trial and conviction uh, and later the revelation that they had been falsely convicted. And the documentary Paradise Lost almost feels like a mockumentary to watch now because it's like these, you know, these people with really thick Southern accents talking about the like very real devil and his power and all of this kind of stuff so it's really interesting to watch now and you kind of have to like wrap your head around the fact like okay these are not characters these are real humans um and you know empathize with them and whatnot when they feel like your caricature out of you know like mean girls or things like that Mm. of a southerner but anyway also i just want to point out too Paradise Lost is very, very good, and I recommend it, but it does open with the actual footage of the bodies of these three boys who were murdered, and it is 
horrendous. I was not okay. prepared for it when I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. And it like, because most documentaries, especially when they have to do with children, but sure. most true crime documentaries blur things. They don't really show you what's going oh, on. Does this not even pixelate? Not even blurred. You see full nude, naked bodies of dead children in the beginning of this. So just be warned if you're going to watch this. Um, You know, if that sounds like something you can't handle, skip the first Mm. 10 minutes of this or whatever. I don't know exactly how long. Um, But if you can handle it, just, you know, take a deep breath when you start it. Anyway, in summary, here are these two cases. Uh, For one, in 1983, a preschool teacher by the name of Ray Bucky was accused of sexually abusing one of the children of the McMartin Preschool. The charges were dropped due to insufficient evidence, but the police sent out a letter to all of the parents at school to notify them that the accusation had been made. So like 200 parents got a letter from the police like, FYI, uh, this guy was taken in because there was an allegation of sexual abuse. Um, and the ch- the parents, of course, were naturally concerned uh, that their kids were at a preschool where an allegation of sexual abuse had been made against one of the preschool teachers. And so mm. they asked their children um, about what had happened, you know. And so parents and therapists were asking the kids what went on at that school. And as a result, several children accused Bucky and uh, several other teachers of sexual abuse. But not only that... According to PBS, uh, the children also described satanic rituals in which the McMartins mutilated animals in hidden underground tunnels beneath the oh, school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the incident sort of coalesced mm. between these two big panics that were happening at the same time. So you had satanic panic and you also had a child abuse panic that was going on in, in America in the 80s and 90s where people were like really, really concerned that kids were being sexually abused in in various areas of of life and this was Mm. you know a stranger danger thing it was also you know figuring out that these things happened in the home and just people were convinced the kids were getting molested everywhere Mm. um and so it was a perfect storm and it had disastrous repercussions for people not just in the mcmartin case but across the country as Mm -hmm. wild accusations were being made against educators by parents of small children but the thing was the parents and police were essentially leading these children towards the conclusion that they expected. They weren't just like, hey, um, is there anything at school that's happened that you'd like to tell me about? You know, has anyone touched you in places that made you uncomfortable? They weren't asking things like that. They were specifically asking about like, satanic them, rituals them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and asking repeatedly. And it wasn't necessarily malicious. It wasn't like they were like, yeah, let's get these teachers, you know, these innocent teachers. They were worried. And so they were like, you know, gosh, is my like, maybe he's my kid's afraid to tell me. So I'm going to like push and, and tell him like, oh, it's OK if you tell me. And then kids start to think, oh, well, my my mom wants this is, me. Yep. This is to, what they want This hear. is the right uh-huh. answer. And mm-hmm. so to make her happy, to make my dad happy, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, yes, this is what happened. They were absolutely worshiping Satan and molesting kids and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so all these people, as a result, were arrested um, for these satanic rituals involving child abuse, many of which. Like, Sorry, how far back are, are we still... talking here? When was this? So this is the 80s. Um, this was 1983, I believe. That is not long ago. Um and like it was discovered and you can hear this in the conviction podcast like in the case of at least one and i think multiple of these that like the the satanic 
ritual thing came from a parent who had schizophrenia mm. and had like, you know, elaborate ideas of what these um, pe- these teachers were doing and then influenced her child to say this. And then, you know, things happened like when a kid had said, oh, this teacher abused me or whatever, when they then were like put in a lineup or whatever, the kid didn't even recognize the person, you know, so there was these did not happen at Completely all. Completely full but holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were so eager and so willing to suspend disbelief because they were so wedded to the idea that there was a satanic crisis going on in the United States and a child abuse crisis that they signed on for this. And if you, like I said, if you keep telling a kid over and over, like, oh, this thing happened to you, they're going to start to be like, oh, okay, I guess. And the same thing happens with adults, which was a lot of what happened in the case of the West Memphis Three. Um, this was these these cops managed to get 17 year old Jesse Miss Kelly, who had an IQ of 72 to confess to the horrific murders of three young boys in a satanic ritual and to implicate two other teenagers, Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin. These three were found guilty. Uh, Miss Kelly and Baldwin were sentenced to life in prison and Damien Eccles was sentenced to death for it. Uh, and. I will grant that Damien Eccles is like a total fucking edgelord who didn't help his case much because he initially thought the whole thing was kind of funny. He was like, I mean, you know, I'm going to lean into this like, oh, I'm a scary Satan boy and all this stuff. And like he thought the legal system works. And so he was like, they're going to know when there's no evidence and all this kind of stuff that I didn't do this. And so being like a dumb teenager, he was just kind of like, bah, 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 and then he was given the death sentence for for this. So he didn't help his case. But at the same time, when you don't have evidence that someone did something, um, especially because they did not do it, you know, mm. then you can't just throw them on death row because you need a scapegoat for everyone's fear of Satanists. Um, Roger Ebert had this to say about Paradise Lost, which I think is really appropriate. The film creates a vivid portrait of a subculture in which Satan is a central figure. Where did Damien, Jason, and Jesse hear about satanic rituals? Mostly in church, it would appear. Some members of this community seem seem to require Satanism as part of their worldview. They seize upon the devil to explain what dismays them. We leave the film unsure about who committed the murders, but convinced that an obsession with Satanism extends here far beyond the circle of defendants. In other words, it's not really them who's obsessed with Satanism. It is the community, the church, that is obsessed with Satanism. And, and like, that's it. Even in the year 2021, we haven't completely, as a culture, lost our fixation on Satan as a thing. And the idea that Satanism encourages people to participate in these like evil, violent rituals. Um, I was watching an interview with Tobias from Ghost and he was talking about how he was trying to record a song in LA, but he couldn't find a choir that would sing about Satan. So he couldn't do it here. Um, After Lil Nas X recently did his Satan-centric Call Me By Your Name video, he announced he was putting out some Satan-themed shoes and Americans collectively lost our goddamn minds. I was, like, watching my, like, social feeds blow up with people who were, like, outraged and, like, freaked out by the fact that he'd done this. And I was sitting there like, like, A, you don't have to buy the shoes. This is not like, and now everyone will be issued a pair of Satan shoes. So just, like, don't Mm. buy them. And uh, you won't have to worry about it. B, Satan isn't real and can't hurt you. 
Uh, and the thing that all these people don't really realize is that whether they're religious or not, Americans tend to think that Satanists are like very literal um, and that they are doing these rituals and they believe in Satan and a lot of Satanists don't. And so, yeah, that's our satanic panic, which still continues basically to this day in these weird ways. We're still hung up on it. Um, and that's kind of where you come in. Like, what? <laughs> so what is it? What is so, Satanism? Okay, I mean, what, the, last, the last kind of conclusion that you came to there really resonates, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the fears that you project the fears mm -hmm. that you project outward become other people's fears too. Mm -hmm. And if your authority figures, your parents, your pastors, your priests, your teachers are fucking genuflecting and, and blessing everyone and fucking terrified of the devil, you too will be terrified of the devil. Because like you said, it becomes it, be it becomes what you see as the right thing to do. You learn from these people. It's and cultural. If they are terrible. Yeah. It's cultural. That's exactly I mean, what it is. It's cultural. And this is one of the things you see, like, Jesse Miskelly in Paradise Lost at one point is talking about, you know, Satanism or whatever. And he's like, I don't worship Satan. He's nah. Like, I, I worship, he goes, I worship the Lord, just like every normal person, mm. you know? And that's like, it's so ingrained you know like he mm. has the same fears the same values that everyone else in that community does so to him he's like a normal person you know believes satan is bad and real and worships jesus instead yeah hence my deep affection for the actual church of satan right mm -hmm. uh like uh, you know as you said earlier on when when uh, talking about your card carrying friend the Church of Satan is what may surprise people who don't know this is that the Church of Satan is a complete atheist organization, right? Right. That completely renounces all thoughts of an afterlife and of a deity and of a, and of a devil. I, I, you know, I've got a well-thumbed copy of the Satanic Bible on my on my bookshelf here. That it was a pleasure to take down and to read through in preparation for this week's mm -hmm. episode. Um, more and more, I come to regard the Church of Satan as being a very flamboyant atheist organization. That's all they are. It's a theatrical type of atheism. Mm -hmm. It's an organization which which tells you that the only God, the only devil is right fucking there within you. And self-actualization is the strongest fucking force. You are the supreme being. Uh, because there's nothing before and because there's nothing after, why would you not seize all of the potential in you and of the world around you and just indulge in sensation and indulge in experience and in learning and, and use the fucking 80 odd years that you've got available to you in as full a way as you can in a way that is ultimately pleasing to you. That's Satanism. It's this idea that you're the only fucking one that counts, really, because there's fuck all else before or after. So why wouldn't you live your life in a way that... And that you can see you? why this, even that, mm. is terrifying to, especially like an evangelical faith, because it's the exact opposite of what yes. you're supposed to believe. You're not supposed to believe that your living well, your happiness and whatnot mm -hmm. are the priority. You're not supposed to believe that... Um, you are in control of your own life and that uh, ultimately you can be good 
yes. without yes. Yes. the yes. guidance of, of none God. of this you ha- none of this is to say that the church of satan rewards the selfish you know and <laughs> right. and espouses this fucking uh, you know onanistic nihilistic view that you're the only thing that matters and fuck everything else no absolutely not if you're an altruistic person then live your life in an altruistic way give to others take pleasure from helping others just it's all about finding happiness however you want yeah and nothing is forbidden satanism i will tell you this it's inclusive as fuck right lgbtqia everything everyone is welcome in satanism as long as you know the fundamental uh, kind of consent as long as consent is is is, is uh, as you know completely 100% certified then everyone is included and nothing is off the table indulgence instead of abstinence is one of the phrases mm-hmm. that you keep seeing again and again and again in the satanic bible that's indulgence not compulsion it takes a v- as i was reading through the satanic bible again this week bright i kept getting there's this wonderful phrase that uh, towards the end of the book that says if you recognize yourself in any of these uh, you know in any of these pages guess what mate you're already a satanist it's entirely up to you if that's something that you want to take further, if that's something that you want to kind of commit to. Um, but, you know, this book is here for you. Take the bits that you like, get rid of the bits you don't. Because, you know, magic, quote unquote, and ritual are a component of Satanism, right? Mm-hmm. But rather than a belief in, you know, supernatural fucking forces that you can call in, to being and 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 you know used to your own ends the the magic and the ritual in satanism is more of a kind of actualization of desires you know it's more mm. of a way of focusing the will it's more of a psychological magic than anything else right. in that it allows you to kind of uh clarify what it is that you're looking to achieve be that in life in career in love in 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 whatever avenue and it's a way of almost manifesting, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's about focusing <laughs> the will rather than hexing someone. Uh, but once again, the Satanic Bible is quite clear that, hey, if the magic bit ain't for you, if the ritual bit ain't for you, fuck it off, mate. Toss it to one side. Just commit to the bits that that, that speak to you. And in reading that book, there's a fuck, there's a lot in it that rings true for me there's a lot that resonates for example for example okay i mean you only have to think by the back way over... I, I you know i was saying before this uh to you but for the listener mm. this cracks me up as a former christian um <laughs> mark highlighting his satanic bible really? and like <laughs> preaching the tenets of satanism like it is so reminiscent of like a, a a new Christian to watch, and it is hilarious to me. Over the past <laughs> few days, I've literally been sat here with a highlighter, uh, folding down pages and underlining. Just having Bible study. Yeah, <laughs> that is literally what I've been doing. So, how many times over the past, you know, over the past forty-three weeks have I have I talked about how you know I feel like I'm shortchanging myself if I go to the grave with any sensation or any emotion left unfelt? Yeah. Right. Uh, to quote from the Satanic Bible, life is the great indulgence, death the great abstinence. Therefore, make the most of life here and now. Why would you deny yourself sensation? Why would you? Uh, on scepticism, right? On 
uh, on waiting before committing to an opinion, on gathering the facts. He that is slow to believe anything and everything is of great understanding. Think things through first, for fuck's sake, before you form an opinion. Ugh. Um, how many times have I told you how much I enjoy being wrong? I enjoy the opportunity to learn. Uh, to quote from the Satanic Bible, when a Satanist commits a wrong, he realises that it's natural to make a mistake. And if he's truly sorry about what he's done, he'll learn from it and take care not to do the same thing again. Being wrong is great. It means you've learned something. Is this, are you starting to see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm getting uh, a kick out of this. <laughs> I, I okay, love it so, so much. you'll know in, in my job sometimes I... Uh, I deliver kind of learning sessions to lots of people at a time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, going back a few weeks, I in in a in a in a, in a session that I wrote, I, I I use a line to the effect of, "Look, if you're going through life loving everyone and being loved by everyone in return, you're probably not being authentic. You're probably not being true to yourself." <laughs> so it was very interesting to read in the Satanic Bible this week. You cannot love everyone. It's ridiculous to think you can. If you love everyone <laughs> and everything, you lose your natural powers of selection and wind up being a pretty poor judge of character and quality. That's true. Perfectly, perfectly true. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That's a, just, I think about that a lot. Yeah. It goes on, it goes on. And look, to, to, to my, my clumsy... Uh, but please believe well-intentioned diatribe on the curse of addiction from a few weeks back, you know? Mm -hmm. The watchword of Satanism is indulgence instead of abstinence, but it is not compulsion. Mm -hmm. You know? With, with the satanic messages of self-actualization and you being the only power that you should obey, that's, that's very, very similar to my own, to my own opinions. Oh, <laughs> again, it, it goes on. I fucking love my birthday, right? <laughs> so to the I. point, to the point where my wife rolls her eyes. Oh, fuck you! You, you why do you make such a big deal of your birthday? It's my birthday for fuck's sake! It's the day on which I was born. This uh, makes me really happy that I went all out for your birthday this year, even though I didn't know that you were really into your birthday. Oh, I, I adore my birthday. It's wonderful. What you know? <laughs> uh, to quote. LaVey, the highest of all holidays in the satanic religion is the date of one's own birth. Why the fuck wouldn't it be? You know, if you're the if you're the only, you know, God or demon around there, why wouldn't you celebrate your own birthday? As someone who basically ha celebrates a birthday month, I am mm. on board with that. Yes, Very on board. you are. Yes, you're you're <laughs> you're celebrating your own, you know, your own, your own. Oh, man. The, the, well, I think the... what's so like appealing to this stuff too i mean everything that you've read here is the antithesis of what you learn in christianity you know and that's yes. intentional obviously that's why it is the church of satan and not just you know here's some like cool ways to live life it's deliberately the antithesis of those things and yes it is I think, it's very you know, much all or nothing isn't it it's it's you yeah, better as, fucking believe a lot as much as you love this i mean i i'm just imagining how much you would love this if you had ever really experienced like evangelicalism and like this yeah. this constant sense of you're rewarded the more you deny yourself mm -hmm. and that like you know i spent so much of my life making sure i didn't Man. try anything because i didn't want to you know like the person who finishes having done the fewest things is doing yeah. this right or you know the idea that you're always supposed to put yourself last right the like yep. um 
the <laughs> goy or joy um, is the like you know acronym God others yourself or Jesus others yourself is the oh, order that you're supposed these to fucking you know, do In fact, that's <laughs> that is the very reason why Satan is used as a symbol by the by the Satanic mm-hmm. Church. It is a symbol of opposition to all that. It is the symbol of resistance yeah. to all that. And because yeah. you know, go on. Well, I was just gonna say there was like a, a tweet that was on Dirty Rotten Church Kids a few weeks ago that was. Um, Something about like, you know, uh, like Christians, I'll pray for you. And that was like the prayer. And it was a tweet from like this religious figurehead that was basically like, you know, praying that all people who are deconstructing and whatnot, like are faced with misery in the absence of God and all that kind of stuff. And the thing about that is like, that's what to stay in evangelicalism. That's what you have to believe is that the second that you start approaching the things that bring you personal joy and indulgence um you will become miserable you know and that's Mm -hmm. always the thing that you're taught is that like misery follows that yeah it might feel good for a minute but ultimately you know it will spiral into addiction or it will you know cause these this trail of broken hearts behind you or things like that um and everything is going to eventually fall apart and you'll hit rock bottom and you need to believe that in order to think that christianity is better than yep. Satanism is better than atheism. That you know, staying in this is a better huge, than actually having what you want. A, a, a huge turning point for me, right? A massive, massive moment for me was the moment that I realized uh, that the media narrative around drugs—I'll be honest—is mm-hmm. comprised of exactly that sort of thing. That mm-hmm. it is possible to use psychoactive substances in a beneficial way that doesn't harm anyone that expands your insight that gives you real connection to your physical form Mm -hmm. um and the moment the moment i realized that was a very very uh, meaningful moment for me hang on pretty much everything i've read about this is bullshit wow yeah right and from there the sky's the limit Yeah, exactly. And I think more people are sort of, you know, without calling it Satanism or whatever, people are adhering to exactly these kinds of things. And, you know, there was a recent, um, you know, I can't remember if it was a Pew Research poll or something like that, but something that regularly sort of takes the temperature of American society. And they found that, Mm. you know, for the first time since like the 30s or something like that, there's been a giant dip in people going to church and to people who are claim any particular religion. Um, And I think that these sorts of tenets, these ideas that, you know, are in the satanic Bible are becoming more of the mainstream of how people think about things. And this like idea of getting past these rigid ideas of uh, of morality and of, you know, and just essentially this like very puritanical or this very evangelical sense of of how you're supposed to move through the world even if people aren't religious in america they tended to um adhere to a lot of the same sorts of principles and i think Mm. now people are kind of realizing like you can do like drugs are not inherently bad or like you know doing things that prioritize yourself are not bad and you shouldn't abstinence is not good as like just like a straight thing if you choose it great from whatever thing you know your sex drugs and rock and roll if you abstain fine that's your choice that's who you are but that these things don't have like an inherent morality to them i think that's more i know i'm 
I know I'm veering maybe into the guns don't kill people argument. But <laughs> how can abstinence in and of itself be a good thing? It's a fucking concept. It's an abstract, you know? Right. It's it's all about what you do with that abstract, where it leads you, what actions it leads you to take. Yeah. But it's really hard yeah. to control people if you if they think that way, if you let them think that way. Mhm. Yes. And yes, that's really what it comes down to is to I'd love Make to sure know. I mean, control. Church of Satan are um, notoriously they they have a, a a particular voice on Twitter. They have a particular social media presence, mm. uh, quite dry, quite arch, um, mm-hmm. quite I guess from a certain angle condescending. But when you get the same <laughs> fucking questions time and time again, you know, from people with that, uh, you know, th- that horns and, and and fire and brimstone yeah. view of what satan actually is then yeah i guess uh, what, what i'm getting at is i'd love to know and it's impossible to know because they don't make it public but i'd love to know what <laughs> their membership numbers are like these days yeah um, yeah that'd be interesting to know an article i sent you earlier um uh interviews to uh, from 90 from from 2019 as well so a very recent article with interviews of two young satanists in the states uh and they, 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 the article is very uh, non-biased. It's very partisan. It's, it's, it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't give into the temptation of painting Satanists as you know fucking, <laughs> yeah. you know metal listening self-harmers. Um, I'd love to know if the social media revolution has impacted their membership in the way that I suspect mm. it might have. Do you think that would be an increase or decrease? I I would say an increase. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, my, I think in a sense, I would say that, but also in a sense, I think that we are in a moment here where people don't want to align themselves with anything they perceive as organized, you know, and even though it's not really an organized religion, um, I think a lot of people in America, millennials, Gen Z, things like that, just don't want to align themselves with anything. So where they might follow them on Twitter and find them fun or things like that, I'd wonder if it would actually, you know, greatly increase the membership because I wonder if people are more like, I just don't want to, I'm not anything. Don't don't put me into any form of, you know, box when it comes to this. Yes. I mean, there's way more, I would suspect, cultural baggage in saying mm-hmm. that you're an evangelical or saying that you're a Christian Catholic or whatever than saying, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a Satanist. <laughs> you know, it's it's very loaded. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, all the more, I guess, all the more fun for it, from my point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what makes, like, what Lil Nas X did so fun. And what he did was exactly what I think the Church of Satan is about, is that he doesn't really worship Satan. He was using Satan as a figurehead to describe his issues with the church and his upbringing mm-hmm. and his self self-loathing um yeah. you know all of that kind of stuff you know you mix and in to, his, his open gayness into that as well yeah and to say like huge, this is huge, me huge, rejecting huge yeah, yeah, yeah yeah rejecting all of that and embracing being the person that i want to be in every element that that is you know mm. and i i really i respect it and relate to it Yes, as do I. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. a Satanist. I'm not a. I'm not in anything. I'm one of those millennials who says, I don't want. I don't want to write in a book and mm. you know, any of that kind of stuff and subscribe too much to any of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, I'm not hostile to it. Um, you know, if someone was like, you're a Satanist, I'd be like, so? And? <laughs> and? Yeah, what of it? Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me. Um, it's just, you know, I don't personally, mm. I don't want to be anything. It's given me a lot of pause for thought this week let's put it that way i love that mm, so do i so do i deeply again you know it, it, it's that joag journey folks mm-hmm. and hopefully uh some of you are pausing for thought as well and thinking about all of this stuff mm. on your own feel free to tell us what this brings up for you whether you're like totally on board whether you have baggage whether it means nothing to you whatever um you know we love to talk about it and hear about it, especially baggage. You know, I'm always on board for hearing people's religious trauma. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> keep us posted on what this, this makes you feel. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Indeed. So we will uh, get back into it. I don't know if we have a topic or not for next week, but uh, we're excited to talk to you again next week. Nonetheless, uh, thanks for hanging out with us this week. Uh, as mm -hmm. always, make sure you follow us on all the social media things. Um, and big thanks to Tara for shouting us out on her radio show, which I listened to today and was oh, wow. delightful. Thanks, she did a Father's Day thing and uh, just, Tara just has like the nicest voice. It makes my head all tingly and yeah, she does. Oh, she I does. love listening to her. So, uh, thanks Tara for that wonderful shout out. And, um, also to, uh, Steve, Hollywood Steve for, um, making sure that, People know about our watch alongs and things like that uh, and for repping us on his vacation in his short shorts and Joag t-shirt uh, <laughs> thank you all who have uh, bought all of our stuff we just we really like you all a lot yeah, I feel like true. I think that's probably clear right I haven't yet come across a single one of our listeners who I don't like yeah so, yeah, I mean, so I'm talking I'm talking to all of you I'm talking to each one of you right I like each of you a great deal yeah, I like you specifically and individually. Yep, and if you think I'm talking about you, I am. Mm -hmm. So yeah, continue to keep in touch. We love you all so much, and hey, we will talk to you again next week. And until then, stay spooky, friends. Hail Satan. Hail yourself.